Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Hemke. Tim Mahoney. Tim Mahoney, that's right. Guys, you did not hear wrong. We have a third host today. Tim, how the hell are you? I'm good, man. A little tired, but I'm good. Who are you? That's I'm, such uh, an aggressive question. Yeah, like, do it. I like we it. We have a third. We have a yeah. third host. But who you, the fuck you, are you? Do you know our our original intro for guests used to be um, would, would be something to the effect of Tim, uh, you're on the show today. Tell our listeners why anybody would care what you're saying. I I don't really know why anyone would care. You guys kept me in a basement here for a year. You know, this is my first time on the podcast with you guys. Well, the nice thing is, is uh, you've usually been kept upstairs, and now you are in the basement. Yeah, yeah. but you know, it's just you know. Just in our there. swanky recording yeah. studio. So what got you into diesel? <laughs> the um, famous Paul line right there, man. What got me into diesel? Uh, I think just trucks in general and going fast, racing. I think you know I like to race stuff, Chris. You know. Well, no, I mean, our listeners, you know, just trying to. Yeah. We're going to get into some stuff that's going to hold some credibility, you know, and oh, we okay. want to prove your credibility. Okay. So, you know, yeah, I know your history. I know the. Give us, the give us your background. So where did where did I start? Uh, started with cars. Started with uh, Subarus. That was the uh, the pride and joy originally. Uh, swing back around to 2008 ish. Uh, you know, the the newest truck coming out, right? The uh, the six four Power Stroke. Talked my dad into getting one of those for our trips across the country to Colorado. Um, probably three, 4,000 miles went by, and, you know, what do you know? You had the standard 6.4 power stroke issues. So no. me at the age of uh, probably 15 years old was, uh, fresh age. you know, ordering up, uh, ordering up my H&S Minimax and, you know, doing uh, doing the uh, doing the whole thing to, to fix those problems. And then we were all downhill from there pretty much. You know, I had a military blazer. Um, had <laughs> LB7s, had had it all, um, had an LML. So and fast then, forward from there, you linked up with Nick years ago through the forums and through family, friends, and mutual friends there. Yeah, probably even before then. Uh, my uncle was a, a good friend of Nick's, dating probably 06, 07, before Nick was really even a company. And, and uh, my uncle would do EFI Live stuff out of Florida, and anytime we had an issue up here, uh, my uncle was from Crystal Lake as well, and that's how him and Nick kind of uh, uh, – kindled there and um if we did have an issue uh, i'd go to nick's house and i remember the day i got my permit um i went out to woodstock and actually swung by nick's house on on the way back um so this was 10 years ago now um and uh had him uh, fix something with a glow plug module in the tune and and that you know it kind of all started from there and I had a Procharge Jeep when you guys were out in Union. Paul, sure. that was, I think, the first time I met you. You know, put that on the dyno, and Nick just come out, check out the facility, and it it uh, it grew from there. Had an LML that Nick tuned back, you know, I don't know, 2012, whenever we first yeah. tuned him. It 2013, was, I, it, yeah. It was one of the first ones Nick tuned on the dyno, I know, before he, uh, he got his, and it was kind of always, you know, you get a truck, and I was kind of notorious of you buy a truck, and it's got 300 miles on it, and it's, it's already tuned by Duramax tuner, and... <laughs> Um, I always kind of helped out, and you know, if there were shows or something to go to, I, Nick would Nick would ask if I'd want to drive across the country and and kind of go hang out, and um, you know, about a little over a year ago, now I, I uh, officially joined the team, and you know, been been doing a little bit of tuning, been doing a lot of dyno stuff, been doing a little bit of R and D, um, you know, some shows, some sales stuff, a, a little bit of everything. So. Sure. 
Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So Tim's uh, been a really big help uh, strongly on the tuning and the dyno side with, with a lot of our R&D when we did our soda accumulation video over at Diesel Insights. Uh, you know, that was really something, a project that Tim had spearheaded. So he's he's been really integral to kind of pushing some of those those projects forward. Uh, and that is one of the reasons that we have you on the show today. So we're going to talk a little bit later about a trip you just got back from. Uh, you mentioned getting back from Vegas, uh, crying about a free vacation here. I don't know why. Uh, but, but first, Chris, I know you and I had a few things we want to talk about. Yeah. So we'll start uh, from the top. You know, we always, every episode, we always talk about what's going on at the shop. Yeah. Um, and one of the cool things that we decided to do this year for, you know, our podcast listeners, uh, customers from the shop, whatever, is uh, we've done a deal of the month where it highlights uh, a popular product and we do a promo for that month with a discount. Um, so for this month, month of November, it's the best month because that's my birthday month. Boom. Uh, we're doing ag tuning. So 10, uh, 10% off of ag tuning with the purchase of the power manager itself so guys you know something that's cool here is uh, you know john deere case ih versatile new holland caterpillar challenger pretty much any of you know the main pieces of ag uh, combines tractors sprayers that kind of thing uh, we have the ability to upgrade it with a custom calibration uh, live tuning similar to like what we do on the truck side of things with efi live easy link mm3 get a power manager we ship it to you you're going to plug it into the diagnostic port read the base file email it in um, and then we're going to modify that base file with a couple of uprates. Um, depending on that tractor, you know, uh, the power ranges, if you will. Um, but we're running a 10% promo for the month of November. If you guys have any questions on that, feel free to let us know. You can email me directly, uh, cmke at duramaxtuner.com. You can reach me uh, directly, 815-568-7920, extension 2121. Um, or email Paul if you have, you know, basic questions or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just please let us know. We'll do what we can to help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, excited about the Power Manager. This is generally our most popular month to tune tractors, I and mean, we're doing a ton of them. Combines, uh, yeah, tractors, tractors combines. Yep. Uh, we're really getting into that point of the year where a lot of farmers are looking at doing tillage. So if you do tillage, you have some bigger equipment, and you need some more ponies out of it, we can help. Or if you've been flooded, and now the snow and the ice is all starting, you're trying to get done a little quicker. Yeah. I mean, this is a good option where... You're not spending, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars on a new piece of machinery. So absolutely. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about today, Chris, was a segment of videos we've been doing over on the YouTube channel for Duramax Tuner, which is Diesel Minute. Yeah. That's where we're taking vehicles and highlighting mm -hmm. them, and just doing a quick minute or so uh, around that vehicle. Tim, your truck actually made it on there, and one of our first uh, kind of features for that. Mm -hmm. So we did your 2018, 19, uh, yeah. 2019 F250 uh, base model. Yep, yep. Not the platinum. So I just really like model. poking it, Tim. It's pretty, it's pretty much junk. I don't know how you don't have seat massagers, dude. Yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> I can barely even look at it. Uh, no, it, it's a really nice truck. The most recent one we did is our 800-horsepower Duramax Hummer. Uh, this is just a blast to drive. It's a lot of fun to look at. Yep. Check out the video. It's quick. It's a minute long, so it's not like it's going to take you forever. Uh, it's on our Instagram channel as well. It's also on Facebook, so anywhere you want to find that video, jump on and check it out. Uh, make some really nice comments on YouTube about how much you like it. Uh, we, we really appreciate that. And then today, uh, we do, of course, have our one of our favorite sponsors, WC Fab, who sponsors our From Facebook segment. Uh, I usually just pull a really short post that's easy to read. Well, it's because you, you have reading issues. You want to go there, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Go, what, you know what, Chris? Good call. 
Why don't you read today's from I don't Facebook? Have it. I don't have it. It's all well, you, man. Don't worry, bro. I got you a copy. Here, Tim I, yeah, and I, I both have copies. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. We, we got you. We got you. It's all you. You already planned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Good cover. I'm terrible at it. I don't know if people can hear me winking. Um, all right. <laughs> I will murder you. Go on. That That's our from Facebook today. <clears throat> all right. This came from Bobby Rub- Rubosini sure hey guys love the podcast was wondering if i could get some insight on idling i have an lml and i was always told to let it run if you're in a store for a few minutes but it's better to leave it but is it better to run it leaving say for half an hour or even an hour curious what you guys think is excessive idle time and why it's bad and why shutting it off it is beneficial and what ambient temps really matter uh, so we actually, usually I jump on and try to answer people's yeah. questions within a day. Uh, but man, in our Facebook group, Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A, we'll talk about the name of that in just a moment. Um, we're just getting more and more members. There's more and more people yeah. who are jumping on and answering questions really quickly. I'm getting notified daily. Many followers, new you know additions to the to the page every day, which is awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah, please. If you're a listener and you haven't jumped on yet, jump onto your Facebook, uh, search for Diesel Performance Podcast Q and A group, request it, we'll approve you automatically. Uh, so Ronnie Sullivan came back said, "Good question. I've also wondered the same thing. Further, it's my understanding that you should let the truck idle for at least two minutes to cool the turbo down before shutting it off. So if you run into the store for a minute." It seems more logical to let it idle, in my opinion. However, I'd like to hear from the experts. Uh, Bobby came back, said, so slow drive into the neighborhood at like 20 miles an hour is good enough to let it cool off after unloaded driving? Um, and, and, then, and then we start getting some some feedback here. So yeah. I let the truck cool till it's under 450 degrees exhaust temps, but I've always had a power stroke. My 6.0 had a turbo timer on it that would idle the truck till the proper temp, then shut off automatically. I love that feature. Now I have a 16 power stroke with Easy Link. I just grab all my gear out of the truck, takes 30 seconds to a minute, and then it's usually cool enough to shut it down by that time. Uh, Ronnie came back, said, I'll have to see if my truck has a feature that shows exhaust temps, depending on the year of the truck, would, would answer your question there, Ronnie. Uh, good rule of thumb is about five minutes to stop. Stays warm, no turbo cooldown issues. The issue with long periods of idling is wet stacking. Engines aren't hot enough at idle to fully combust. Short stops, especially when it's already hot, isn't going to hurt it much. If you want to leave it idling for a long time, though, throw a high idle switch in. Uh, so so uh, I, I, I feel like this was one where when I got to it, I was like, okay, it's good to see what people think. Yeah. It, it's really good to hear what, what people's already established opinions of idling are. Yeah. Now, we've worked on a video uh, with our producer, Justin, and Nick on turbo yes, exactly. uh, on, on cold yeah. starts, uh, you, you know, and, and pretty much telling people, I think we titled that one, you're cold starting your emissions equipped diesel wrong. Yeah. And, and the reason is, is because we get a lot of this, you know, what what's the right temp and how hot should it be? And then, and then hearing this on the shutdown. My rule of thumb is about 10 minutes of idle time. Mm-hmm. 
is my limit. So I will, I have let it go 20 minutes. If you look at what your factory settings are, most trucks with like remote start will let it idle for up to 20 minutes, 10 to 20 minutes, right? It'll vary a little bit there, but, but you can let it idle for about that amount of time. After that, I would call it excessive. So if I, if I know I'm going to hit the half hour mark, I'm not going to let my vehicle idle that long if I have emissions equipment. I just won't do it. Tim, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I believe the biggest misconception out there, too, is uh, people, if their truck is in regen or if they know the truck is regening based on high idle, they believe that they can run into the store or they just they think they should leave it on. Um, that's where I've run into the biggest issues is, is people want to leave their trucks on when they're in regen. Um, and, that, and that's where uh, I don't know where Nick stands on this or not. But my opinion is if the truck's in regen and you are not going to complete that regen, just turn the truck off and don't let it sit in idle there. Because um, it'll what will happen in, in from what I've seen is it'll it'll keep building soot and it'll get to a point where it won't even want to regen anymore. I love this one. Um, this is such yeah. a good point, Tim. I just got I just talked to actually one of our employees here who said, yeah, I just he was letting his truck idle and he said, Oh, it's in regen right now. I said, well, it's not in regen right now. Cause you're not doing 30 miles an hour. Exactly. He's like, no, no, no. But, but the, the RPMs are way up. Yeah. The RPMs are up trying to preheat yep. your, your DOC. Yeah. So it's building heat, but it's not to the point that it's actually hot enough to burn anything off. It's not dosing fuel. It's not actually getting to the heat it needs to be. So guys here, the idle is up and they're like, Oh, it's in regen. I'll let it regen. No, 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 no. Regen pauses anytime you're under 30 miles an hour. So, so there's no way for the truck to regen just sitting there. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah, you'll, you'll build up soot, and that's the biggest. As far as wet stacking goes, uh, I have not run into that problem ever with a diesel. There's plenty of guys in Canada who run their trucks 72 hours, two weeks at a time. They, they literally, I don't even know if they shut it off while they add fuel to the damn things. Like, there are guys in extreme cold weathers who, who let these trucks idle for excessive amounts of time. They're forced to, based on their climate right the rest of us who aren't in those extreme conditions uh there's there's no benefit to letting it idle you know like if your truck's new enough that you have emissions equipment you probably could put a remote start in it if you don't already have one number one uh so you can get the cabin hot enough to get in and climb in it and drive but there's no performance benefit there's no no active benefit to letting the truck idle for more than 10 20 minutes chris any thoughts on that how long do you let your your fifteen come and sit? Uh, five ten minutes. Really? Like to, to warm up in the morning. Okay. Otherwise, a minute and a half, two minutes shut off. I'll let it idle while I fill it up. Otherwise, it doesn't stay idling. Cool down with turbo timer. Minute, cool down. Minute and a half. Minute, minute yeah. and a half. Yep. Absolutely zero fucks given about cool down time, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I've just I've seen too many premature uh, failures on turbochargers um, uh, from trucks though, because I know trucks, on cars it's a thing where you have such a smaller compact. Oil is oil temperature is oil temperature, bearing temperature is bearing temperature. You know, you have to think about that. You know, letting it cool down and not shotgunning it. A day here, day there is one thing. Well, the day here, day here multiplied over ten years with a hundred, two hundred thousand miles on the turbocharger. I mean, we've seen trucks come. I mean, there's a truck in the shop right now with a quarter of a million miles on it with the original turbocharger yeah. and the turbocharger's in great shape. And after talking to the customer, you know, he stores the truck every winter. He's very adamant about, you know, maintenance and things like that and his startups and his shutdowns. So, you know, when you look at things like that, there is a lot to be said in, in again, one day here or one day there isn't going to kill you. But when that's your practice day in and day out, 
you are shortening the life of some of those components, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. If your goal is to have a super high mileage truck and you have something that's new now, or if you already have a high mileage truck and you're trying to get it to last, I could see that. I could understand that. Um, okay, guys, our other big uh, sponsor here is Exergy Performance. God, the three of us, we've put Exergy Performance in, in everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> like literally every every vehicle application that they have a product for, I think we have sold or helped a customer <coughs> or used it ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but the one, Chris, we were you and I were both talking to the same customer the other day about a 10 millimeter CP4, and it just reminded me that we really haven't talked a lot about that product on this show. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that 10 mil CP4? Well, I think you know there there's a lot of uh, it's a new product, right? Even though it's been available for a couple of years now. Um, it's still kind of a newer product because everyone is still stuck on old technology, in my opinion. Old technology being CP3 conversions. CP3 is great, great application for especially, you know, we're talking more specifically on the LML Duramax right now. Um, knowing that, you know, there's all the crazy lawsuits going on for, you know, the um, inferior yeah, getting CP4, sued, right? Yeah, yeah. for the inferior CP4 pump from Bosch. Um, but what it really boils down to is, you know, fuel contaminants, that pump self-destructing, um, the regulator on the pump dispersing debris and goes through the high-pressure system. Yeah, the so, MPROP screen yeah. gives way. So yeah. uh, a couple cool things Exergy has done is they offer an upgraded MPROP, uh, which is like a, a reinforced netting per se. So if you were to get contaminated fuel, um, it's going to stop the fuel flow. It'll shut the truck down instead of dispersing and, and going through the high-pressure system. But then wait, there's more. They come up with a badass high-performance version of that pump to where you don't have to do a CP3 conversion, hack up a lot of the fuel lines and the electronics, the harness inside the engine valley. Um, you can do a drop-and-replacement pump that's robust and reliable, similar to the reliability of a CP3 pump, um, but have enough fuel volume to support about 750 horsepower. So when you price things out, you know the CP4 10 mil comes at it a little bit better advantage compared to a 10 millimeter in a conversion kit. It's a cleaner install. Um, it's a lot more of a simplistic approach, in my opinion, going yeah. about it. Now, before listeners start, you know, giving their two cents, yes, this all comes into you know RPM uh, operation limitation. I mean, there's more things that go into it, but for but for the the general guy who's looking to make you know single turbo drop in, maybe a twin turbo, looking to make that six seven hundred horsepower mark. You know, the 10 millimeter CP4 pump is honestly a force to be reckoned with, in my opinion. Wildly agree. I think so we've I've got two of the guys here at the shop with these on their trucks. You know, one one is Mike's uh, Mike's LML with our 67 on it, and the other one's you know our VP Jamie with a, a twin truck, and both have have been flawless and, I mean, and fun to tune as well. Yeah. Not I mean, not a pain in the ass. Let, let's go back three years though, when Jason Worley had his white regular cab, yep. which was the, one of the test beds for the version of that twin, twin turbo kit, that yeah. we have which had a 10 millimeter pump, and that was one of Exergy's original prototypes. Yeah. That truck got its ass kicked. That truck saw multiple winners, summers. That truck, you know, Jason has recently sold off within the last six months. But I mean, that thing has been one of the most reliable, durable trucks I've honestly ever seen, and it's been consistent. God, that's and one of my favorite trucks. It is, I know yeah. it's always been one of your favorite trucks, but you know, when we talk to guys, you know, one of the hardest things that I have when I have someone call in and ask questions is having an understanding of where they're coming from. Okay, because they read the forums, they listen to their buddies. The CP3 conversion sells itself because of the known issues in the general market. Yeah, there, there's a lot of name recognition yep, that goes with is, it. There right? is, but when we talk about at the end of the day, my, myself, simplicity, ease of install, and reliability. I, I hate to say it. I mean, there's a lot of other products on the market. I'm not going to dispute that, 
but when we talk about what's turnkey, what's going to work, and it's been proven, it's really hard to look past the CP4, whether it's the improved pump or the 10 millimeter pump that Exergy offers. Yeah, true story. All right, man. Well, Tim, the reason we brought you on the show is, as we mentioned earlier, uh, to talk about SEMA. So you got to go to the SEMA show. Man, the the hard life of a tuner. You guys just sit around and fuck around with trucks all day and play on the dyno and text on your phones and go to SEMA. It's 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 hard out there. I mean, I'll tell you, over the last year of Tim working here, you know, he's gotten a, a couple extra gray hairs with his uh, beautiful flock of black hair, a couple missing hairs. I mean, dude, he's out here. He's living the life. <laughs> you forgot I was gone the the weekend before this too, Paul. I wasn't around, so I've been I've been. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot I forgot that you were out. You were out drag beating racing up the drag racing yeah. a company truck. Right, yeah. right. It, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, no, but hey, listen, I've I've been to the SEMA show before. Um, I, I know how massive and overwhelming it can be. Is this Was this your first time at SEMA? Yeah, first time SEMA, first time I was in Vegas for more than eight hours. So it's oh a my whole, God. New, whole new experience for me. Yeah, so. growing up quick. Did you come Our back little Timmy. Uh, a little broker than when you got there? Uh, I messed up my foot a little bit. Josh oh. had me uh, walking down the strip, you know, from the the Westgate all the way to the Luxor. So quit was, plan. Yeah, but no gambling? Was, no uh, gambling. No, I'm not a big gambler. You know, you've known that you know I'm not even a big drinker until I yeah. had to hang around with you guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, so no I mean Vegas in his own was was very cool. I've driven through there but never spent uh spent a lot of time. Interesting. A lot of interesting yeah, characters sure. down there. Um, but it's SEMA is you know SEMA is like home you know you you go to you go to these events and you're walking around and I, I don't even know how many hundreds of thousands of people there and you're like oh you know those are the guys from Alligator these are these guys like you, you know people there it's it's home when you're when you're going to these events and these yeah. shows and, and and stuff like we do and um, you know it, pretty much everyone here gets to go out and go to these shows at least you used to right Paul oh you know, yeah yeah, yeah. You, you still know all the guys but and uh but that's it yeah and it was I, I think I was there about 30 hours which is a little bit tighter but like we were racing at the uh the king of the streets event last weekend so I didn't get to go down there any earlier but I, I think three days would be a a perfect trip to uh kind of go through all the halls and and, and kind of see yeah, you know, I think when I did SEMA, I was there for three days, and my trip to Vegas before that was uh, seven days and six nights. So, yeah, that's way too long. Please, listeners, never go to Vegas for seven days and six nights. It's insane. What kind of bankroll did you have to have? Because you're a gambler and a drinker. So, like, Chris, I went, I'm a drinker too. I, I'm not saying I'm I not. went there and I went to Bible study every day. No, no, <laughs> praying, I didn't. Praying that you get some of your money back. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, it was much that's, too wow, long. That, that's a lot. Yeah. Of, that's a long time there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were like six of us who were all in our early 20s. Oh, that sounds like a blast. Yeah. That sounds it like was, a, We'll talk about that more. It was wild. This. Yeah. <laughs> off air um no but when i did see my it was I, I was there for three days and i'll tell you what um you would have to be trucking to even make it through all of sema now if you wanted to do all of the trucks i think you could do that in three days yeah but but that was the one thing that blew me away about sema is of course i know it's all of automotive but when i say all of automotive i mean everything that has ever had wheels and an engine put on it is at sema well i mean now you look at it like this you know timmy went there partially as a spectator but there was business that he had to, uh, you know, conduct. So 30 hours. I mean, I, I'm surprised with the business you were able to conduct. I mean, what did that 30 hours look like? You know, you land, you're in Vegas. You know, what did what were you able to accomplish there? Yeah. So the first day I flew out, uh, I guess would be Wednesday morning. Um, flew out here eight. You know, time change help. You're there at 10, 10:30. 
Um, cab driver took me on the nice scenic tour. So, you know, my cab fare was a $32 fare than the $15 fare. But, um, <laughs> that dude's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, got to the hotel, met up with Josh. Josh had been down there, and he had kind of already been through and seen a lot of the event. And, um, again, I knew that I was there for a couple purposes, and, and that was it. So what I saw walking around was, you know, you could see, but we were there for a couple reasons. So. Um, Wednesday was our day to kind of find the vendors we needed to go talk to. Um, SEMA actually has a very cool app where you can just punch in the vendor's name and, and, and it'll it'll give you a good idea where you're That's going. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, there are a couple vendors. There's also the Sands Expo, I believe it's called, that goes on at the same time. Um, different expo. That's not in the same same <laughs> building as, as, as SEMA. So uh, don't confuse that because we were looking for a couple different v- vendors in the other one. Um, but yeah, so first day, day one was kind of just, you know, meet people, make the rounds, um, you know, talk to people who you don't necessarily, the phone conversations aren't the same as, you know, the face-to-face conversation. So, um, got to walk around and, and see the vendors and, and talk to a couple of the guys. I don't think, you know, the company in general has talked to in a, in a while, you know, uh, stopped over by bank, stopped at, stopped at a couple places and, and, you know, it was, it was all in all good. The first day was just kind of make the rounds. Um, and the second day was, was, you know, we were there for business and that was about it. That's awesome, man. Okay. Uh, what were some of the cool trucks you saw? Um, you had Matt Chambers' truck there, which, you know, we were in, we were involved of, uh, Operation Snowflake. Yep. Operation Snowflake at UCC. Um, his truck was there with, uh, with his Can-Am on the, on top of it in the premier booth. For the listeners, um, that's a 18 Ram twin turbo missions equipped. Yeah. yeah modified fuel too. Yeah. 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 Um, so that truck was there in the premier booth. Um, didn't see those guys around there. They were kind of walking around. Um, Rocksor was there in full effect, and you know we've been we've been really getting involved in the Rocksor stuff there. And me and Josh were over by the Rocksor booth, and you know kind of giggling at each other, like, "Did you tell them we made 200 horsepower with this thing?" You know. <laughs> and uh, but they had some some very cool Rocksors. They had a booth inside, booth outside. I mean, they were there in full effect. There's a big push on on the UTV market for the Rocksor stuff right now. Oh yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, other than that, I mean, if if there's so many trucks there, just anything you can think about it it's there you know it the lift kits the everything's there that is I, yeah i was there i would god it just came up on my feet i want to say it was three years ago maybe four uh but at, at any rate uh i will say when i was there every truck we saw was lifted to the sky i, yeah. I mean i have a picture of my wife standing up with a bumper over her head oh wow like yeah, it re- and that was that was the one of the tallest lifts but that was normal like all of the trucks were just if it was a diesel truck and it was at SEMA that year, it seemed like they had to just lift it to the sky. No kidding. There was not a lot of, when I was there, there was not a lot of high horsepower diesel trucks like we would think about. They're like, no, I, I didn't see a single diesel race truck there or sled pull yeah. truck there. Uh, rat rods were real big that year. Yeah. When I was there, they still like a, a big thing, the old rust buckets with a 12 valve sticking out. Yeah, and like welder ups trucks. Welder up, you know, yeah. And yeah. those guys are all usually driving that truck around. You oh, know? Well, they're from that's, Vegas um, too. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. So, that's... so, yeah, a lot of that style stuff. Um, you know, a, a good mix of everything, really. Uh, yeah, I will say it, it was it was so indulgent to be able to walk around and look at all of the ridiculous supercars that are there, too. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, like, we all love the diesel trucks. We all know that's what's yeah. through our blood. But, man, when you get to actually get up close on some of those, like, the Lambos, the Ferraris, yeah. you know what I mean, the high-end Mercedes, this type of shit, you know, things you're never going to see again on the road, like a Koenigsegg or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah it was 
It, that, it, that's the badass shit. It, 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 was, it was memorable. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> a big push on electric this year. Yeah. Uh, sure. So Ford and GM actually coming out with uh, retrofit kits for electric. Uh, oh, that's so cool. I don't know too much about it other than, you know, what, what Nick would intrigue me on as far as, you know, Nick's a big fan of electric, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so very cool stuff there. He had, you know, I, I think it was GM had a 400-watt option and and, uh, and Ford had like an 800-watt option. And it's it's – Pretty much thousand horsepower, you know, electric conversion setups. So, yeah. Um, not oh, that no, I know no. a ton about that stuff, but it's 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 very cool to see the industry come around, you know, to that way. So. Absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to be one of the big pushes of the future. Seeing electric vehicles and and more uh, hybrids and things like that that actually have a, a potential for power. I think we're going to see yeah. that as a part of the performance community. I think um, just over the you know again what topic we're going to be getting into you know emission standards and things like that. We've seen over the last you know five five years you know how much of a turn that's taken. And an electric vehicle wasn't as accepting five years ago as it is now. So what's the next five years or ten years look like? Right. You know, it's right. just crazy to see how everything comes full circle. Well, well, speaking of uh, why you were there, Tim, hey, walking around, shaking hands, good job. Um, but my understanding is you were there to cover some very important topics or to be a part of the discussion on some very important topics. And that had to do with the EPA and CARB and, and specifically enforcement. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about that. What what does that scene look like right now, and maybe specifically just what is what does it look like for a business owner in diesel performance? What does that EPA and carbon enforcement really look like? Yeah, yeah, and, and ironically, if I think if if they would have known, they probably would have flip flopped meetings a little bit. But the uh, the first meeting we were there for, and these were both essentially invite only meeting. Um, but if if you're a business owner and especially the diesel industry, you know you were there. Um, the CARB meeting was a little bit more of everyone in industry. Um, EOs, obviously a big push right now. Um, so first first meeting, um, Thursday morning, was the uh, one of the guys, you know, jokingly call it uh, coffee with CARB, but it was just kind of like a, 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 a CARB meeting, and, and they were they were out to give pretty much what they're doing and what they're doing to not only, you know, what they're doing to help the industry, um, making the EO process easier and, and easier to obtain and, and their plan for the future. Um, for, for our listeners real quick, EO, so EO numbers that are carb. Carb approved, yeah. Carb approved. Yeah, so once you get carb approved, they issue an EO number, and that EO number is accepted by the EPA as well. Because these are, and that's a good point, Chris. We should separate some of this jargon here. Uh, The EPA is federal, carb is California. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could get 49 state EPA legal, and carb could tell you to go pound sand. But if you go to carb, if you go to California and get your EO number, the EPA accepts it. Yeah. So the, the true standard is. 49 state yeah. but but the like absolute best standard Top is tier. really from it's carb part, yeah and and we've uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry I didn't explain that very well no. but we've been we've been involved in this uh you know for probably the last year or two here now and um, and dealing with carb and it's, it's time consuming Paul it really is they they give you a test letter once you once you filled out the application and tell them what you want to do they give you a test letter for six months you have six months to test that vehicle and get them the results they need and uh it, it takes a little bit longer in six months. So go back and forth <laughs> with them a little bit, but that was that was pretty much. They'll get people in there who wanna who wanna certify an air filter for a hundred trucks, you know, hundred different model trucks, and that's where it gets complicated because every truck's a little bit different, and you know, they're trying to simplify the process of keep it to one RPO, keep it to a model year, keep it to say the LML, and and we'll get this done and we'll get it through for you. Um, 
and a lot of just factory replacement stuff. And, and Carb was very upfront and pretty much saying, like, if you have a factory replacement part, all you need to do is show us what you're doing and why you did it. And it's very simple process. You usually don't have to do any tailpipe testing, anything like that. Yeah. Um, SEMA Garage, again, a big, big shout out to those guys for, for kind of taking this on and bringing everyone together with this because they, they hosted both of these events, um, kind of helped with the, the Q&A and stuff there. Um, so first one was was pretty straightforward. A lot of questions about what's up and coming and, and how, you know, how we can not only get an EO number, but how the when you go for smog, how the EO and testing and all that will will apply to get you in and out and get you in and out of smog faster. Um, so very good insight there over the next year or two big things coming there. Um, they have open workshops and stuff. You guys can tune in. I, I know they're going to put their PowerPoint presentation up sometime this next week. So, you know, everyone can kind of take a look and, and see what's going on there. So um, left there, got uh, got a little bit of lunch, ran down to the, the sand show, which was, I, I don't want to say it was a mistake, but it was a push to haul kind of back to the middle of town and then get back. Um, Josh and I wound up doing a little bit of running. That's probably where I hurt my foot to get back. But but we uh, we made it back. So the second meeting was uh, was very very intriguing. Definitely worth the trip. So you had this was the EPA meeting. I would call it. You basically had Seema uh, Garage's attorney up on stage running running the meeting, um, and then you had Carb. You had the guys from Seema there, Seema Garage, um, and then you had the EPA there too. So three people who to my knowledge, the way it's been presented in the industry, supposedly don't get along at all, you know. Um, so the the irony kind of started there, you know, and the biggest push on social media right now is um, racing products, right? You know, the lack of racing products and, you know, EPA and CARB, they're, they're not letting us race anymore. Um, is tuning dead? Is performance right. dead? I mean, that's, if you guys want to talk about that, I mean, that's, that's the big question right now, right? Yeah, so I think I think it's been pretty interesting. Uh, Chris, you've, you've been seeing a lot of this too. Um, th so I think we can talk about it openly and, and I don't think we're being offensive by just being honest about what we've seen. So we've seen, we've seen Corey and we've seen some other guys out in the industry saying racing is dead. Um, and then it, it's interesting to me when, when you hear about what are the restrictions for qualifying as, as a race vehicle. Uh, there's a lot of rumors right now saying you have to be tube and chassis only. That's that's yeah. you could not take a street vehicle and convert it to a race only vehicle. I think this is also being said um, w with a certain blind eye to the fact that just because you sled pull once a year does not mean you have a race truck. Yeah. Right. Right. Like there's a big difference between a race vehicle and a vehicle that you go race. Well, I, I mean, let, let's just paint a picture here fast. Up until, you know, this this last uh, social media explosion, if you will, mm -hmm. okay, guys were openly, you know, the, we've all known, the industry's known about EPA, known about CARB, known about these things, but you could still openly go on most major mail orders, most major tuners' websites, and buy quote-unquote off-road use tuning. Yeah. And it's not that. It's never going to be shut down. It's never this. It's never that. Remember when Trump got elected? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. oh, he's shutting the EPA down. You know, we're done. done. Yeah. If anything, you know, cut funding and what happened to the EPA, they got they became more hungry, right? So fast forward a little bit of time. Now here we are. Tuning's dead. Upgrading your vehicle's dead. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah. The, the thing that, you know, we have to paint a picture on here is, is that there were a couple of tuners or a couple of companies, if you will, that have been going through this back and forth stuff. And then they're, they're painting or they're, 
they're painting a picture on what they have been dealing with and where they see things going because of their experience. But that's not necessarily the, the whole picture here. Yeah, right? absolutely. No, I was I was definitely I walked into that meeting. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. You know, Jamie had been to a couple before and um, me and Josh kind of walked in and, you know, their their presentation and, and everything is they start with their presentation and what they're out there to do. And then the whole I'd say second hour, hour and a half was all Q&A. And that's where stuff really, really got interesting. And even in their first presentation is, um, you know, they're. They, they support racing. They support the racing industry. They, they support the performance industry. And this is both CARB and the EPA saying this. Um, and it's not just tube chassis vehicles like what's out there right now. You can take a once, you know, one standard vehicle and convert it to a race-only vehicle. And it's just how you go about that. You know, first off, don't plate it. Don't insure it. Don't drive it on the street. Very simple things. And the other side of it is if it's a dedicated sled pull truck, if it's a dedicated drag truck, it's probably going to have a cage. It's probably going to have different tires. They're all for that. They want you to race. They want you to be involved in the industry. You just can't drive it home on the street. Right. you got a trailer at home. And it, if, if you can follow those rules, you're good, man. They're going to leave you alone. Right, which, if we're being honest, fits a very small percentage of the guys who are out there buying delete tunes, say, a year ago. Mm -hmm. The average guy buying a delete tune a year ago was deleting his truck, filling out a form saying, yeah, I'm going to follow the rules, right. and, th and then drove it on the road. And, and we all knew that that's exactly what was happening. I mean, it's yeah. probably less than 1%. Yeah, like, exactly. Let's just be we and, and we were just talking about this. Even in our shop, we're Duramax Tuner. We've, we have built dedicated competition vehicles yep. but not many no yeah. not many that weren't our own no. there's not many independent enthusiasts who go out there and build dedicated race vehicles we love it when they do yep. and we love the guys who do it whether they're building it in their garage or they're they're building it at, at a shop or yep. our shop that's awesome man like we love to see this race industry live but you got to be real about again what's a race vehicle and what's a vehicle that you go race in yep. yeah and then there, and that's where the dual purpose comes in. And you can't have an emissions defeating device on a dual purpose vehicle. It's right. either on road or it's for racing. If you want to, if you want to race your off road vehicle, or if you want to race your on road vehicle, I'm sorry, that's okay. But it needs to either pass 49 state, or if your carb, if your carb certified, if you have an EO, you're good to go do whatever. Yeah. It's it's very simple. And they they really leaned on the whole off-road only and the whole checkbox and they are really against the off-road only uh you know obviously their their whole presentation right they pull up they got a delete pipe up there and you know the good old h&s minimax there and like that's their whole thing and um you know they're just done with people's bullshit and 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 behind it and it was a very thin veil yeah. it was a very thin yeah. veil to hide to, to try to claim a disclaimer exactly. for, for everyone involved so for everyone rightfully they so. are again again and this goes back to the whole racing is is dead thing no you can you can manufacture race parts but you have to be reasonable about who you're selling to them to and what you're using them on you know and it, it's 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 very to me it's kind of common sense but i guess people like to bend the rules and the reason why they don't like the off-road stuff too paul is they are uh, they're getting into the ag stuff too it's so funny um, you say that i actually I, I had a quick story about the ag stuff with the epa we had some contacts up in I, i'll keep it vague and just say in the midwest uh who actually said they they have been contacted by the epa over specifically deleting tractors um they're out there, man. They they see it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not 
it, it, you're not. You're, it, there's no clever way to get around yeah. it. You're not safe off road. If you're using it for ag, you're using it for farming. If it came in with emissions equipment, it's got to stay on there. That's you know? it. Um, again, if you have razors, if if you're out racing them, they really don't care. If it's a dedicated race vehicle. They don't care. Car yeah. doesn't care. They'll be very upfront with you. They want you to go ahead. Because razors yeah. don't come with any emissions equipment, right? No, I mean, that's no. a small enough engine to where it doesn't even hit the tier model. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, like our Rockstar and stuff, it's, yep. it's it's got an EGR on it, and it's if it's if it's gonna be, you know, uh, I'd say a, a, even a trail driven vehicle out there. If if you're not in competition with it, just leave it on there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's pretty much you know it, the gist of it, and and people asking about parts and, you know. It, well, who's liable, right, Paul? Is it the people who make the parts? Is it the people who make the tuning? Is it the people who are selling it? Well, or know. or the owners? Is, yeah. Are they going to start coming and cracking down on on actual truck owners? They could. And the law states they could, and they even said that's that's not a practical way for them to go after this. You know, right. um, basically, you're liable for making the product, and you're liable for selling it if you know that you're selling so many of them that aren't you know. You can only sell so many race products. Like we yeah. said, maybe 1% of people are actually using these products for racing. And it's like, if you sold or tuned 10 trucks a year or whatever the number is, and they don't have a number, so that's it's it's a gray area. But again, be reasonable. When you're selling 300,000 EGR kits a year, they're... <laughs> that's a lot of race vehicles. Yeah, no, no, man. All, all trucks made from 2004 to 2008 are now race vehicles. Yeah. And uh, a statistic that he brought up that it kind of does open your eyes to it is... You you know, obviously you have the different tiers of emissions and stuff, and I don't know specific off the top of my head, but basically if you take like a 17 and 19 power stroke and you delete it, and mind you, this is probably worst case scenario. Not only do you go back to tier one emissions, but you're basically like, it's like driving one deleted, you know, truck of that model year is like driving 300 compliant trucks on the road. You know, that it really of the puts same model a, year of the same model year. Yeah. You know, it, as far as like the PPM that they would yep. put out. So yeah. that that's that's really eye opening because I would also assume that what they're what they're saying is that if you ran our calibration, you ran our stock calibration, you turned all the emissions off, this is what you would get. Yeah. That's how much emissions equipment reduces the amount of pollution. Now, listen, there's people out there who love to argue about yeah. if pollution is really bad. That, that, that's if, not this podcast. <laughs> if any of that stuff is re- exactly, we're not going to get into that. We are going to go under the assumption pollution is bad yeah. and following the law to keep our company afloat, our people employed and our customers happy yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, so that's our baseline for all of this. Tim, that's really interesting, man. What a wild trip to SEMA. You you think, did Vegas the most boring way. I did. I think did. think <laughs> of how much you covered in 30 hours. Yeah. Literally, so you, you, you got there Wednesday morning and then left. Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah, yeah and I took sounds the, like a blast. I took the, uh, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I know if why you and I were doing it I, in thirty hours now, and not doing meetings, yes, that would be a blast. Now I know why. When I said I wanted to go, Nick and Jamie both looked at me and laughed. <laughs> I get it. I wouldn't be here today. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah true but, you know, story. I came in a little late. We're we're all right. But yeah, it was. I mean, just to wrap it up. I mean, the meeting was was very eye opening. It's nice to see all those guys up on stage working together, and it's nice to show that. I mean, the Q&A that went on for an hour, it's, it shows these guys really care about the industry and the guys that maybe they did sell these products in the past. Maybe they did use them in the past. They, they want to comply. They want to do what's right. And they're looking for the rules and, and everyone's trying to find the rules to abide by, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, if you got to ask yourself, hey, is this a good idea? It's probably the wrong idea, you know. I like it. I, I think, you know, what you just touched on there, um, those the guys on the panel, the guys in that meeting – Five years ago, ten years ago, they might have been selling those products, yeah. right? But now, 
fast forward five, ten years in the moment, what the future looks like. Some of them are still selling them. You know, I'm just playing around. Nobody's but, breaking mean, the rules. You know what? Whatever. It is what it is. But you know, time has progressed. You know, data has been collected. You know, things are moving in a, in a forward motion. So you can't dwell on, oh, well, you did this a couple of years ago. All right. Well, now I'm doing this. Now we're doing this. Yeah, I think I, I think we're at the point now that I think most companies and and we're even seeing truck owners are thinking about what what can I do? I, I like that point because I know I just talked to a guy on Facebook the other day who messaged in and said, hey, I've had my truck for six months. I was going to get it deleted, yeah. but now that doesn't seem practical. Well, what are my options? And people are starting to think, what are my options? And yeah, as long as I mean, there's options out there to go fast and have fun, that's what we're into. I mean, being like, the, that's what makes this industry. Being a phone jockey day in and day out, you know, you get these guys that call in and the, the two things that Humble really, brag, bro. We get it. You got a phone. Okay. Right. Two. Um, <laughs> you know, can't modify my truck. EPA doesn't want me to have fun. Like, I'm so overhearing that. It's not even Racing's funny. Dead. Like, I'm so tired of hearing that. <laughs> um, it's just, it. you know, it is what it is. And then, you know, uh, you know, what... The, the second question is like, you know, what is out there? What is available? You know, just the more of that educated, you know, style question. At the end of the day, you know, what we are dealing with right now is an industry that is maturing. Yeah. And and that, you know, that's the bigger picture here that I think, you know, any of our listeners, as this podcast, someone listens to it five years from now, four years from now, you know, the maturity, it's maturing. That's what we're, that's what we're in the mo- movement of right now. That's been the way for the last few years and it's going to continue to evolve into, you know, uh, whatever the future holds. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, on a couple reasons why, you know, we get to push this now new, new industry, I would call it, you yeah. know, we get to push these products, you know, and I think we're going to, you know, we have a couple plans in the near future, a couple competitions that we really want to lean hard on the new industry and emissions equipment and pushing it. But we also, it answers some questions first. It doesn't answer all of them, but I mean, it's no secret. We've, we've kind of walked on eggshells on certain things, especially with, you know, what we once called like the UCC truck. Like, yeah. can we even take it out to a pole? It's not, it's not a tube chassis truck. Can we take it? Are we going to yeah. get in trouble? Yeah. Um, it, it's just nice to know that we can, you know, we can get back to those projects and, you know, get them on the dyno. And, and, and you know, it's it's a it's a caged race truck. We can take it out. We can pull it. We did once this year, you know. that's just, you know, As long as we're trailering it, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know, which, and, which is nice to know that it can be sitting in our shop. We can do what we so choose with it, and it's not going to hurt us. So it's it can do the thing it's done for three years now and it can collect us we know i'm just laughing because that that i love that truck no, i'd love to I see mean, it run twice yeah. <laughs> humble low bro uh, low blow bro yeah <laughs> Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on and and helping us out today and talking to the listeners about what we can expect going forward in the diesel performance industry. Yeah, no problem, guys. Uh, Did you guys talk about me getting my ass kicked last uh, last week? No, we haven't brought it up. We don't. We don't need to do that. You know, you're on a high note. We'll leave it there. All right. No, 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 Tim. Do you want to talk about King of the Streets? I mean, I don't mind talking about getting my ass kicked. I have fun getting my ass kicked. It's competition, you know, that goes back I mean, to the You got your racing. ass kicked, but everyone kept noting that that was the most consistent truck. Yeah. No, we got, we got a good vibe from it. So driver mod, you know. You know. I'm know. just saying between you two, who has more wins in the same truck? Oh, me. Sled pulling him, definitely. I'm not a sled puller. That was Ooh, like, listen to you be very specific. If you yeah. have to if you have to section off your wins or your losses, you lost. Yeah, Hold on. Yeah. I just want to point out something. <laughs> when I had when I had the car, multiple times you'd be at the track. 
He could drive the fuck out of my car, launch that sound bitch, do whatever. I could never figure it out. So driver mod, him all day. Yeah. yeah. Sled for, pulling, man, you know, that was my shit. Well, get, was, give was us a rundown. As long as so, we're on it, give us yeah, a rundown. So what is King of the Streets? King of the Streets, it's a it's a three-day event. Um, it's a eighth-mile drag race. Um, kind of sucked on that because you got to follow rules. You know, rules kind of suck, Paul. So we didn't have a cage in the truck. So we were <laughs> right after the last <laughs> right whole podcast. What are you talking about? Dude, well, why are you contradicting yourself, man? <laughs> you know... <laughs> Hey, man, it's it's an 06 Dodge. We're good to go, okay? Um, so anyways, we didn't have a cage. So, um, you know, maybe look into talking to Jason this winter about putting a little roll bar in there. But So the first, first part. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, we uh, are one not. That goes in, one that goes in and out. Like, little little, little no. bolt-in roll bar. Dude, who are you? you know? It's not coming out of your budget. No. Yeah. Um, so anyways, you got an eighth-mile drag race uh, first day. Um, we actually placed well. I was I was looking at it with, with Justin today. We got seventh out of, like, 23 trucks. And then yeah. There was trucks in there going 620s, 16s, That's the top half. The Fuck I yeah, mean, man. Um, we were doing good there. And then the second day was the dyno, where we also got our ass kicked. Uh, I mean, was there any lower power level trucks? There was, <laughs> yeah, there, there were, there were, but I, I like to compete, you know, Chris, I like to compete, you know, no, that I mean, just, was just to point it out. You, you literally brought a knife to a gunfight. You brought a 930 horse truck when yeah. motherfuckers were breaking 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it was fun. So you do the eighth mile drag race, you do the dyno. And then the second day is where this truck is, is built to shine even, even a thousand horse less than everyone else. Um, it's a, uh, a 200 foot dirt drag, which is a little short for what, you know, wow. we are used to. 200 Yeah, we feet. usually uh, get 300 feet, oh, right? Every Everywhere up here. Unless Tim's pulling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the track was perfect for him. Yeah. So, um, but it was, it was, it was an actual tree and it was pro tree, you know? Okay. So I, I got my ass kicked enough up here on the street that I, I learned how to cut a light finally. Yeah, so right. I had to get that, you know, dust off the old boots and start cutting the light and, uh, going up against these trucks, and uh, so we actually got the second fastest time in the dirt drags and placed third. Um, Greg A wound up knocking me out in the uh, in the semifinals, and then he wound up going to beat uh, you know Levon, who's uh, no uh, you know no the king of diesel competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yep. So uh, you know we ran faster than him in the dirt with a baby little truck, but little guy. You know he he kicks ass, man. He's, yeah. he's those guys are a class act. All those guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then after you're done dirt dragging, uh, you hook up to a sled and you do actually two sled pull heats. Um, and the truck, I think it was eighth or ninth. Then again, you know we placed middle in the pack. We 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 made all the events. I didn't touch a clamp. I hung some weight. I added you know added tire pressure. When I'm saying I hung weight, I hung 300 pounds. There were guys yeah. out there hanging a thousand pounds, yeah. adding rear wheels. Like yeah, it was there was nuts. a lot of dual conversions. Yeah, people yeah. want to win, yeah. man. And then the other part to that event is a hundred mile street cruise. Wow. Um, I wasn't expecting a lot of these trucks to make it. You think 2,000 horsepower truck, like how is that going to make a street cruise? Um, trucks broke during the competition. A lot of guys didn't make it, but no one broke down on the street cruise. It was wow. two hours and four minutes, 104 miles. Um, you know, our guy Justin's walking in here now, but he was he was there with me, and, and it was it was a good time, man. I had a lot of fun. Uh, thanks, Sarah, for you know putting on the event. I think it's 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 a different style competition to UCC. It, it really you know. You try and you try and get away from the two and three thousand horsepower stuff, but it also again it goes back to pushing the industry because you know five years ago was a thousand horsepower truck was quick and yeah. now it's you guys got you know oh six oh seven Dodges making two thousand horsepower driving around the street. Doesn't oh. the winner of this competition get a spot at UCC? Hey, so uh, you know, no joke, uh, Levon and Jersey's truck. You know, he's probably going to be at UCC with it. So. <laughs> and it, just so you guys know, they did this in total firepunk fashion. You know. 
drag raced it, blew it up on the dyno, took it home that night. Uh, they were down at, at, at D&J or, or however you pronounce it and rebuilt the motor overnight, dropped a sleeve, like did it all, put the motor back together, oil leak, pulled the trans out, put it back together. We did the street cruise at, we woke up and it was the, the the day time changed, luckily, so we got an extra hour of sleep. We woke up at like 4.45. You had to be on the scales, waiting, ready to go at, I forget, like 6 a.m. or something. And these guys pull up, like none of them have slept. They got the tra- the truck on the gooseneck, and then they proceed to unload it and and put 1,500 pounds of weight into the bed because whatever you pulled with, you had to have that on the cruise with you. So, I mean, they did it in the, you know, in the firepunk fashion and, and – uh, they uh, they did really they did really well. Um, yeah. So second, I think it was second through fifth or second through sixth actually all got the same amount of points. Um, so Levon got first, and then the other they did get second. You know, two, three, four, five, but they actually all tied for points. Um, I think we were seventh in points ranking and ninth overall in the event. Um, I mean, we did yeah sixth in point ranking. I mean. For a little truck, we did super well. I mean, this was the truck me and Chris pulled in. You know, I obviously didn't do as good as Chris this year in the work stock <laughs> class. But um, this is our, our little 67. Um, and then uh, I called Jason, and, and he sent me over their their little stocker or S400 over stocker kit. And so it's obviously S4, you know, it's supposed to be an S400 over a 67. And then, you know, of course, we only had S48, S488 SXE to throw over it. So we had to do that. Um and it's the trucks had hundreds and a twelve mil from Exergy for for years now. It's probably yeah. four year old tired setup, but to crank out nine thirty on a dyno like that, I mean, we put the truck together three days before. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was it was well, you know. I I think you know a lot of our listeners, prior customers, future customers, not our customers. That's cool too. Um, just because you have a truck that makes a power number doesn't mean you're gonna, you know, go to a competition and win. And I think one of the key recipes for the Firepunk crew and Levon to do as well as they do is they have a driver mod. Yeah. Levon is a very good driver. He's seasoned. He's proven it years ago in DPC, UCC, King of the Streets, amongst the ODSS, like you name it. And you know, he's they have the recipe, right? The truck, the suspension, the power, the, the team, the yeah. team, the driver, all yeah. these things. And then, you know, we come up with a truck that was a work stock puller that we just decided to throw a, a compound setup on, and you're hedging towards the, the, the top of the pack in a truck that never broke, you never had a touch. 99% of the guys out there had to do something to their yeah. truck, but their truck also made at least four to 500 horsepower more. Yeah. You know, I you were probably one of the lowest horsepower at 5.9 Cummins out of the fleet. I probably yeah. guarantee that. Yeah. Oh, and these, I mean, they, they all these guys love the truck. They're like, yeah. wow, this, this is a street truck. Like, yeah. this is what it's about, you know, and... Uh, definitely when we got in the dirt, those guys were even on the eighth mile track because it would I mean, the, the truck will cut like a one, four, eight, sixty or one, five, four, sixty pretty consistently. It'll light up on the tree. It doesn't need spray or anything. And um, we beat a lot of the faster trucks. It's just we couldn't we couldn't legally go that fast yeah. because of the cage. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the truck was no joke. A lot of people were, were very impressed with it. And it's it's nice to take a simple project out there like that. I mean. Me and Justin just kind of drove out there, a couple of my buddies, and we hung some weight, changed some tires, yeah. and we, we drove it to and from the hotel. It was 20 degrees out. Truck's got you know no grid heater on it. Fires well, I mean, right the, up. The big thing I want to take away from, from this whole story is you don't need to have the highest horsepower vehicle to be a force to be reckoned with at a contest or at the drag strip or at the sled pull. Yeah. There is more than just the truck making a number. Yeah. So 
it was fun. It was it was it was a good time. You know, a lot of, not a lot of sleep, but it was a good time. <laughs> good stuff, man. Thanks for sharing. Well, guys, uh, I think that wraps it up for today. I'm Paul Wilson, Chris Emke, Tim Mahoney. Thanks for listening. I love you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs>